Hello, this is episode 358 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Riley. So, I'm sorry that there's been a slight delay in me recording podcasts. If you really want to know what's happening in my life, you need to be kind of in the inner group in the in the subscription set. So, I've been sick. I kind of joke it's my kind of seven-month hiatus. Um, it's a dose that it usually takes me three weeks to get over, and we're only on week two, so I'm doing good. Though I still have a little bit of a, um, a catch in my chest, so you'll have to bear with that. I'll try to edit out all of the, the breathing noises, but I won't get them all out. So this is a podcast that I've been preparing since before Christmas. Um, it was sparked by a conversation that I had, and I didn't realise that when I wanted to record it the other day was World Autism Day, that this is World Autism Month. I have a lot of very controversial views on this topic, and this is one of these triggering podcasts, but I suggest you get to the end of it. I became an expert in something I didn't believe existed, and what I really became an expert in was seeing people for who they really were rather than what they were being told, and I guess one of the most distressing parts of what I view as the autism cycle is that even the people who speak nobly on this topic and who front many organizations are actually trying to do that in a way to heal the trauma of what they have been told is not possible for them all their lives. It's a reaction to everything that they've been told about themselves. And I find a real tragedy in that. And I guess I recognize that in people because I could have had the same narrative and the same storyline. And when I started this work 14 years ago and people began to understand that there was a narrative and a storyline with me having dyslexia and so on, there were so many mentors and organizations that wanted me to, to trade off that spiel. They wanted me to be the voice who had survived dyslexia and conquered it and, and made good. And I had no interest in being that narrow in my work or that narrow in the perception of me or going in that box. I just took it as a given that everything that I had been told that I couldn't do in my life, I had done and that I desired to help other people to do that in an easier way, in a less costly way to their own well-being. And I desired the world to start to look at people's difference in a way that was embracing and that we would never have inclusive education because it didn't suit anybody. And if it was a big deal in 2011, for me to say that homework should be abolished and for that to cause such a hue and cry, which is still taking place. And there's a very personal um, recording and podcast about that on my Patreon, which, which I'll link if you want to join my Patreon. And why I put down the energy associated with that. But if that was a big deal, no one's making money out of that. So for me to say to parents... You need to stop the autism cycle. You need to stop being told that you need to pay over vast amounts of money to be told that there's something wrong with your child. And the part that's starting to to really incense me about this, there's a couple of things that are really incensing me about it. 
those parents are being asked you know, in the private circuit rather than waiting around for years to feel that they can't get resources or can't get help. They're being asked to pay three times what they would invest to work with me. To be told what's wrong with their child, to be told that if they present this to the school, it's suddenly that there will be help and resources, which there isn't. There is an enormous amount of stigma associated with, which is what I really want to focus on this podcast about. It was about a conversation I had with someone that was so grounding in the way that people view this. So it doesn't do anything that's promised for them. So in these parents, in their darkest hour, where they want to get help for their children and they want someone to wave them a magic wand and to be able to help them, that and they're, they're paying for vast amounts of money for that premise, to be told that they will be helped, none of that happens. And it ends up that it's this dead end. And so this story began for me 14 years ago with the very first student I worked with. And this box of Asperger's syndrome was ticked on on the report because the school would be more likely to get resources if that was ticked than if dyslexia was ticked. And there's a great irony for me in that there's an entirely different, there's a whole host of reasons why you end up getting this diagnosis. But from a literary point of view, from a literary processing point of view, the irony is that if you have this box ticked for Asperger's or high-functioning autism, I can actually teach you how to spell. If you have dyslexia and your processing challenges are related to the four reasons for having dyslexia, it's harder for me to help you to ever be able to spell in the same way as I can't spell myself. So the reasons for ticking this box are not actually to help or to solve the challenges or the difficulties or to support in school. And this is what makes me so angry. There's a testimonial on my website, which I'll link, which that parent came back years later because I was the person who could see their child. And they worked with an entire amazing teaching team that were working with me at the time. And they went on to do amazing things in the world. And they weren't written off. And I I have lost count of how many people I have helped and how many people I have navigated over this this storyline. And as I said, the real tragedy for me is that the people who are the face of this and the front of this don't even realize themselves the motivation they have at standing at the top of an audience in, in creating the organizations, in the battle that, that they're, they're headbutting, that their motivations in doing that is that they feel that there is, there is something that they have to overcome. They've been told that there's so much wrong with them. That, that, that is the, the premise that they're standing at the top of that room trying to compensate for. And there's something so wrong in that. And so before Christmas, I sat with someone who said, oh, well, they're very obviously on the spectrum, they're violent. And, you know, parents never want to take this diagnosis, like, you know, because there's something, they feel there's something so wrong in it. And I'm sitting there looking at the person, I'm thinking, and you're an educated intelligent person who works really well with people and you're just taking that sentiment like why would any parent want their child to be perceived as violent and obviously on the spectrum why would you want that diagnosis why should we jump from oh you're autistic you're violent and there's a piece of writing that i'm going to put on the open source area of my website 
rather than on, on my Patreon this time. And it's called Autism Wire in the Supermarket. And the reality is, is that we will only create an hour for people in the supermarket where the lighting is not harsh, where the environment isn't horrible. And there are supermarkets that I love going to locally that are always like this. But the reality is that in society, it suits us to bombard people. It suits us to bombard you in the cinema because you spend more time on comfort food. You spend more money on comfort food to compensate the feeling that you have of being bombarded in the environment. In pubs, we turn up the music because you spend more money on drink when you can't talk to people. When it isn't comfortable, you keep drinking, basically, to compensate. And so people have worked out that they can make money out of you by creating harsher environments. You will spend more in the supermarket if you go in and you feel bamboozled. You won't look for the offers or the cheapest products. You won't necessarily just buy what you went in for. You will buy all of the other things on special. Like, you're constantly navigating the world in a way that it's constructed to to bombard you and to make you feel overloaded. And now we have a condition that says there's something wrong with you because you don't like that. And it's exactly the same in education. If you can't fit in with the rules, if you don't accept the lack of respect, the fundamental, one of the most fundamental things that people get this diagnosis for is because they don't like being treated with disrespect. They have a homing beacon for requiring justice, not just for themselves, but the other people in the room. And they take that on board. They don't like rules that don't have a basis. They don't like when people try to control them. They don't necessarily learn language in the same way. They struggle with contextual, what I call contextual English language. And it's quite ironic because the things that we struggle with, the things that we find difficult to understand how English changes in context, and when we overcome something such as that because we have put more thought and more effort into it, they make amazing copywriters. They are amazing writers for sales because they understand the importance of language and how language is presented to people. And yet they will be told that they don't write enough, that they need to expand. There's no, we don't all need to expand. We don't need to write pages. There's different types of writing in the world for different purposes. It's actually incredibly helpful for society to be concise in your writing. But they, and they may not be good at writing first-person essays because they don't like sharing their emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. There are many people in the world who don't want to be bombarded and, and manipulated in an emotional way. It's not necessarily how you sell to everybody. So this is what I mean. It, it's, you're being constantly told in each environment that we're creating that's being created in a corporate world to make money out of you, to measure and label you, to put you in your place, to put you in your, your spot of where you belong in, in the industrial ladder, basically, in the employment sense. You're being constantly measured and filtered and put into boxes. And these people don't want to be put into boxes. They are the people who are pioneering. They are the people who are innovative. They are the people who look at the question a different way and give you a different answer. And their answer is not wrong. But as a society, we are obsessed with judging people, with not accepting difference, 
And we're trying to make everybody the same and make them fit in and make them controlled. And all of these aspects are what they rebel against. And then you have an entire industry now built around making money out of them and their parents. And the schools bullying them into this because they have consultants that they work with and that they send people to. And then if your report comes back, which in many cases it does, where you're too clever, you're too gifted, you're too bright, oh, we can't help you anyway, like we can't give the resources to you because you're too smart. You don't fit our criteria anyway. So with the parents having paid over this money, they still, the premise that they paid it on in their darkest era of please help me. And of course there are a whole load of behavioral challenges and social challenges that come with that because of the way that people are being perceived and treated because of the expectation that you should be able to do group work, the expectation you should be able to do yard time. That's the, the, the way that we set up the environment so bullying exists. And, and you're thinking, oh, well, you just have to learn how to be bullied in the world. Like, you're going to go through this everywhere in life. Why should you go through this everywhere in life? Why should we continually create schools that foster the bullying and the playground yard mentality for life that people take then to the corporate boardroom? Like, why are we constructing a world that lacks humanity from the youngest ages and telling people that, oh, it's okay, you have to fit into this and there's something wrong with you, you're socially awkward. You know, the fact that you are more emotionally intelligent and that you're reading the motivations and the games and the disgusting behaviours that are taking place because there's a lack of fundamental respect and justice in the environments, there's something wrong with you. This is the qualities that all of these people have. And there's something wrong with you. And there's a whole industry prepared to make money off you. And the latest report in the state suggests that we now perceive one in every 36 children as having this wrong with them. These people are seen to be oversensitive. They're said to care about fabrics. They're said to care about the physical feeling of clothes. They're... They care about the furnishings in their home. They care about the colors on the walls. They notice the colors of the walls in the schools. They notice the door handles. They notice how harsh the environments are. And because of that ability to see so much and take so much in, there's something wrong with them. And you push and push and push people and you make them such outliers and so lonely and so isolated that then it ends up being like really tragic situations happen. Like nobody is born a mass shooter. And yet we're starting to see a correlation in the sort of expected behaviors that we would see of someone that we would give as an autism label and the sort of social outlier awkwardness that we would perceive with those conditions being seen correlated in the sort of people who do end up being mass shooters. Like, is that not a point where you sit down and you think, maybe it's not them, maybe it's us. Maybe we've really got our environments wrong. Maybe we really don't notice people or see them or take care of them or nurture them. Maybe we've actually failed everybody. Maybe it's not acceptable to just have a, a diagnosis or a form or a judgment dished out of everybody. Maybe there's a reason why we have a percentage of people with a lot of intelligence and a lot of talents 
who can't cope with the world the way that we've constructed it. And all of this is, is, is solvable. All of the challenging dynamics in the family, all of the, the challenges in terms of their health, their well-being, their sleep patterns, their sensitivities to food, their processing styles and learning, the sense of what they can achieve in the world, the sense of what they have to present to the world, all of this is fixable, quite simply. There's nothing wrong in it. It isn't rocket science what I present to people. I just needed to find a palatable way to navigate over this sense of what is wrong with you. And not surprisingly, I don't really get on with the organizations because if you've been told for that long that there's something wrong with you and you've had this big challenge to overcome and so much to prove in the world and you felt so insecure at times and you want your pedestal to stand on now and you want like, you know, to have a pride in who you are. Somebody like me coming along and telling you, well, actually, you know, there's nothing wrong with you in the first place. And there are many better ways to perceive this and you don't really have to fight these battles and you don't have to uh, adopt a label to be proud of. I, I'm not particularly saying the right things to people. I'm not saying what they want to hear. At that point, having journeyed through as much as they've journeyed through, they actually want to feel special. They actually want a label to be proud of. And so it's much easier for me to meet people who are at the start of this journey and parents who are at the start of this journey and to help them to give their power back and to say no. To have the, the power to stand up and say, no, I know my child and this isn't going to help me. And what you're promising me here with this report and all this money paid over and you're not actually going to perceive my child as any better here. This is not going to, you're not going to solve the reasons why they were being bullied in school or why you made them feel like they couldn't fit into the environment or why no one could see them or no one could match them or nobody appeared to frankly be intelligent enough or interesting enough or clever enough in the environment for them. You didn't help them to learn anything. You didn't motivate them. You just made a victim out of them. And now you'd like me to, to have a report and a label that justifies your failing and justifies why you haven't met my child and justifies the entire industry that is built around this. And that's before we even get into all of the medication and all of the, the horrendous practices that take place. And the ways that we, we put different people on completely different spectrums in, into a room. And that was the other part of this conversation. Like this, this idea of an umbrella term neurodivergent is very damaging because it still doesn't quantify difference. It doesn't quantify that people see the world differently, that they process the world differently, that they remember it differently, that they understand it differently, that they have a different communication style, that the way that language goes into their brain and they distill it and, and what they, the context that they take out of it, the fact that they may not get other people's humor, and the fact that they don't enjoy certain humor, the fact that they see something wrong in many of the memes and the mocking. The fact that they do have an inbuilt sense of needing respect and justice for all. 
Like, none of, like, you suddenly have an umbrella term that doesn't facilitate anyone, anyone's needs anymore. You still haven't, you, you're suddenly sort of saying, oh, well, yeah, we know you're all, you know you're all different, but can you just all be different together and then we can put you on one big club and we can sort of say that we're dealing with you. But we're not really, because we still don't want to actually think about the fact that all people are different. We still cannot be inclusive in the sheer fact that humans do not move in the same way. And that the fact that they don't move in the same way is actually very advantageous. Like there is a reason why these genetics have continued in our society. And that's a podcast I hope to record with Graham very soon. Like there is a reason why these genetics are advantageous. And it's not that we're breeding autism at the moment. It's that we're breeding a society that people who have more awareness cannot live in. And rather than blaming the society, we're blaming the people with the ability to actually see, sense and feel that. And that is why if we took this ridiculous test, like I joke about this with many of my teachers when I meet up with them, if we all took it, we're all vastly different people, but we would all end up on the autism spectrum simply because we care, simply because we notice, simply because we're plugged in, simply because we're sensitive, simply because we think beyond ourselves, simply because we're good with data and patterns, simply because we're introverted, but not all people who get an Asperger's diagnosis, interestingly, are introverted. And the people who struggle the most are extroverted. And not all people who get that diagnosis are tech geeks with Billy no mates who want to be left on their own. The ones, again, who struggle the most are the people who crave to be in community with others. But that, again, is not in our perception. We perceive these people as being loners. We're so busy judging people and putting them in a, in a box and changing the labels of those boxes so that someone else feels good and someone else can justify that it's them that's wrong and not our school environment or not our supermarket or not our cinema or not our pub or not our, our sports team or whatever, or whatever expectation we have of people in the world. And somehow in all of that, Parents feel so intimidated by all of these professionals and experts that they've lost the ability to sit there and go, actually, do you know what? That's rubbish. I know my own child. And that's my job, to give that power back. So please stop feeding into this cycle. <laughs>